All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Why is it that? Oh, there we go. That's going to help. <laughs> the delay and then the delay. All right. I am Rick Solo. I'm in the studio with me as he is most Fridays. UW Lacrosse Brooklyn Science Professor Dr. Anthony Trigoski. Happy Friday, Rick. So we fixed the camera that fell off the speaker. Yes. That, but I'm clear. Yours, you're blurry. <laughs> so it's blurry, Anthony, if you're watching on stream. Shows you what we know about getting the camera yeah, right. I should be blurry here, yeah. and you should be in the clear. We could fix that maybe during the break. <laughs> um, all right. So, Jill Stein, running She's for president. Running. She's in. <laughs> and uh, Robin Voss trying to impeach another person. Yes. Or not. Are we are we backpedaling there? Sounds like he's saying it's not something he really wants to do. He's been facing pressure from some people in his party to impeach Megan Wolf, the it's, top ad- elections administrator in the state. Sounds like Robin Voss was not too enthusiastic about that idea. When we talk about this stuff, Jill Stein or Robin Voss, who knows those names? Who, like, who is more of a known Name. You know, it's interesting, Rick, when the Marquette University law poll came out this week, almost half of people did not have an opinion of Robin Voss. They tested how many people have a favorable or unfavorable view of him, but 16% favorable, 36% unfavorable. That means everyone else doesn't know who he is. Yeah, right. Because I, I remember seeing, I don't remember who it was, but they're like, I finally saw robin voss like a picture of him oh he's a guy <laughs> like that's kind of like perfect right that's where we are in um politics in general i think uh, national politics I, that's why i think maybe jill stein is maybe more of a name than robin voss even in wisconsin even i, I would say especially in wisconsin because the 2016 election was so close and many people on the democratic party side were angry at jill stein because They said, well, maybe without her in the race, her voters would have gone to Hillary Clinton. Then Hillary Clinton would have won Wisconsin, and that would have helped Hillary Clinton win the election of 2016 over Donald Trump. Right. Also, Jill Stein, where's she been since 2016? Who knows? Is it it a me problem that I don't pay attention enough to Green Party Jill Stein? Or is it a Jill? Like, if you're going, I want to equate this to Eric Wilson yesterday, right? I had, was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I had him on. He's running for house. Well, I remember getting Taco Bell yesterday <laughs> and also remember listening to you talking to him while I was in the drive-thru. Now, are you are you outing yourself as being at Taco Bell where your wife would be listening and be like, wait, you went to Taco we, Bell? No, no, no. We agreed on having Taco okay. Bell for dinner. Yes, Man, this you was you guys a- agreed to that? <laughs> I'm going to lose Taco Bell as a potential sponsor. <laughs> Um, okay, so Jill, Jill Stein kind of, in my mind, has been poof for the last... When Derek Van Orden ran for U.S. House, he lost to Ron Kind. <laughs> Pretty close, but I mean, yeah. close and not close. I guess, I don't know what's close anymore. Yep. And then he kept running. Mm-hmm. Yep. And therefore, the next time around, you know who Derek Van Orden is a little bit better. Jill Stein ran for president, and then she's gone. Like, I think, or I'm not paying attention. So, so, and then with Eric Wilson running for U.S. House for the first time, he's in, in lacrosse, I would say that he is probably the least known commodity sure. of the four Democrats running. So he's got to get his name out there. And it's not his fault. We don't know who he says. But he also, like, is jumping. I feel like some of these people are jumping the line. 
I'm going to run for president. Okay, Jill Stein. Well, I don't know anything about Jill Stein. Maybe she's been in politics forever. Eric Wilson, I'm going to run for house. Okay, dude, but like maybe run for county board. <laughs> oh, you maybe. think about it, Rick. If you're getting into politics, which office you run for when you're starting out is one of the most important decisions you can make because you could start out running for something that you could win like school board or county board, but maybe you go a little bit too high. Maybe you aim a little bit too high, you lose, and then where do you go from there, right? I mean, you you try to run for Congress, it doesn't work out. Can you make a comeback then? And Rebecca Cook would be a a potential example of this working Mm -hmm. yeah, because she jumped the line. I would say it's jumping the line. I don't know if you need to run for city council or county board or school board to, to then run for... But I feel like dipping your toes in the water of government a little bit would help you. But those two things maybe are very different. Well, to well ho- Rick, that's why there's all this buzz about Katrina Shanklin, the member of the state assembly who's running for the congressional district here in western Wisconsin, because she has those connections. She has that reputation as someone who has served in state government. That, in many ways, gives you an advantage. I mean, if she's calling donors— they know who she is, right? and a lot of activists know who she is. That's the advantage you get when you start out at that lower-level office and then try to work your way up to the higher-level office, as she is as a state assembly member going for Congress. And then I, I could poo-poo on, on Katrina, too. Did she cheat because she runs in a district that I think is gerrymandered towards Democrats, yeah. and therefore she's just going to win as long as she's competent? I don't know her history with winning a primary against other Democrats in that district, like Jill Billings in this district. If other Democrats ran or uh, when she runs, she's in a Jill Billings in a gerrymandered d- Democrats district. Absolutely. Right? So, uh, so then you, you know, Rick and gerrymandered to give the Democrats an overwhelming percentage. That's how you do it. If you're doing a partisan gerrymander, you draw as many districts for your own party to win. And then you draw a small number of districts for the other party where yep. the other party wins by an enormous percentage so that they are, as we say, wasting their votes yep. in that district. We, we will sacrifice lacrosse to get all the, the, only it backfires when you have Steve Doyle in office. So yeah, until, yeah. Until that changes, then then Republicans will likely take Steve Doyle's. If the but the maps could change, right? This is like Absolutely. there's so many things in the air. And Absolutely, I, I'm throwing there's some like we're throwing darts at at a, a wall of balloons. We're throwing here. darts all over the place. And then when you hit the wall, like I'm hitting multiple balloons at the same time because they're all related <laughs> in a way. I I started with Jill Stein and we ended up at uh, Steve, Steve Doyle. Doyle. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. <laughs> Last week we played Mariah Carey. <laughs> the, Maybe we got a little aggressive with the Christmas song timeline there by there doing was a it story last about week. that though, wasn't there? Something to deal to do with that? Was it just kind of a joke? Here she comes. Didn't she post oh, on yeah. Twitter, Mariah Carey? Yeah. She posted on Twitter, right? Like I'm coming out. Like yeah, she posted this video with her in this block of ice, and people were like putting hot air. They were blowing hot air on the ice so that she yeah, would you unfreeze. Her out. You saw her out. Saw her out and have her all ready to go when it's November. The, I can't even think of the song now. All I want for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is, Christmas yeah, is you, yeah. Mariah Carey. She's ready to go. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a 20 days <laughs> after Black on Black Friday, maybe. Yes. Also, Going home for Black Friday? We should do. No. We, you going to be here? Okay, My wife so. works retail, so oh. therefore we are <laughs> in town for Black Friday, and she is working work. Black Friday. Uh, when the when you know what the federal government could do is take take. Should we take Thanksgiving and make it Friday? Just make it Friday. Who nobody cares, and then therefore idea. we all get the three day weekend. Or 
do we leave it Thursday? Because a lot of businesses, I feel like this might happen here where you get the Friday off just, right. just because it's easier and right. it's cool. Yeah. But it's not a federal holiday, so anyone in retail gets really screwed because they don't even get the Friday off. Well, they do, and I think retailers have been getting a little bit better at closing on Thanksgiving so that their workers can take that day off, but Friday's another story. It took a worldwide pandemic and millions of people dying for the retailers to go, you know what, we shouldn't be open on Thanksgiving. That's true. I mean, what a I, sacrifice I gotta by say, retailers. It seemed like there was some public pressure over that, that people were angry at stores when they did open on Thursday. Like, hey, give your employer employees a break. It's not only that stores opened on Thursday. It's that they open at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving. Oh, when yeah. do people eat? I, I know people eat Thanksgiving at a different time, but like traditional supper, 5 p.m. on the day that is traditional. I the tradition of traditions about eating supper or eating <laughs> a food. And we're going to open our stores at 5 p.m. for all the people to wait in line. I will say, it doesn't feel like we see as much footage of rioting and fighting on well, Black Friday. Well, everything's online now. Yeah. Why are we doing the Black Friday show yeah, why right are now? we even doing it? <laughs> right. Um, all right. So we started the show talking about Jill Stein running for president. Does um, we, we do need to talk about Brandy Old Fashioned being the state drink, but also not being the state drink and the state legislature having... Um, what I would call the, what I like to call cram sessions. Their session is ending soon, right? So they yep. do the overwhelming. And does every state government do this? Not every state. Now, some states do it to even a greater extent than Wisconsin does, while other states meet more regularly. Their legislature meets more regularly, and they pace their work a little more. Yeah, pace their work so that like the media and yeah. the public can keep up with what's going on. But we're going to pass over a hundred bills yep. in the state legislature here in the next couple of weeks. I can't, I can't even get Doyle or Billings to come on next week because they're just they're they're cramming. That's what happens when everything kind of happens all at once it's hard for the media to keep up it's certainly hard for the public to offer their input so look i i get it why they do it all at once that's kind of how politics happens politics like doing assignments in school tends to kind of happen at the last minute right right well that's why i call them cram yeah sessions, it's, it's an appropriate I'm, term i'm as bad as anyone at cramming and do, doing my work at the last minute but i'm there's there they have a i don't know it's just they have a deadline where their session ends, but I feel like they could do it. We could do it better. I agree. It raises issues for the media, and can there be adequate media coverage of what's going on in the Capitol? It certainly raises issues for the public, and if the public can be fully informed earlier on in the lawmaking process. I mean, it's one thing for people to find out, oh, this bill was signed into law. It's another thing for people to learn about the bill earlier on in the process while it's being debated, while public opinion could have an effect on if the law passes or not, and when people's input could still have a difference in the crafting of the law. So yeah, I, I even, think there's a real problem with this. When we talk about this with state government all, or uh, city government all the time. The the time of the city council met last Thursday or yesterday, duh, uh, passed and didn't pass some stuff. Uh, Seventy seventy thousand dollars to the arts board uh, by re, re or, or moving around some funding. Denied the people's co op thirty thousand dollars in funding. Stuff that like if you you probably see that story and you're like, wait, what? We're giving the arts board, which already has an allocated amount of money, more money for what? And uh everything else that's going on. But Thursday's meeting, if you weren't outraged at going to Thursday's meeting about it, you you then you hear about it after the fact. But it was last week that you needed to be at those meetings and sending emails and telling and and so like is we a week enough time for the public to digest that stuff? We try to write about it. 
uh, the state government committee meetings are even more secret, I think. We don't we really have no idea what the state government does in committees. Those legislative committees can really put surprise can can really give us some surprises. There can be a hearing that happens without a lot of notice and that raises all kinds of issues. So I, I would agree. I think this is a real issue for Wisconsin state government. But we do have a committee that news took over. We last night a committee met because the Joint Finance Committee is the most powerful committee in the state. Yes, and they do the biggest things. Well, they've just passed a five hundred and seventeen million dollars in public funds to fund the Brewer Stadium. They passed that last in the middle of the night, some point, and that's fine because it's like, but they're going to vote on this thing in a week. Yeah. So, and it's not news to anyone. Like, wait, what? You're surprising us, but they're going to vote. And I feel like we haven't had a public. Like there, there what there was was that it? The Joint Finance Committee, the public needs to to show up there or send emails at that point. A lot of it has been a real public style of negotiating, where Milwaukee city leaders in public are expressing their displeasure with the initial proposal for how right. much money the local government this would is, kick in. This is actually the government working well with the Brewers. I'm saying that they're going to vote on this thing in a week, but. Maybe that timeline's okay because we have done we we are renegotiating this this deal. I would say so. I think the Brewers Stadium deal has unfolded gradually over time. There's been media coverage. There's been opportunities for the public to hear what legislators have to say. For all of the faults that the Wisconsin State Legislature has in doing these cram sessions, I wouldn't include the Brewers Stadium in that category. I yeah. think this has unfolded rather slowly, partly because I was listening to J.R. Ross from WizPolitics.com today. He was talking about how badly the Brewers have bungled the public relations with the stadium deal and how they're just not handling the messaging well. They're not handling the negotiations well. They, well. they lost their manager. They lost to the their Cubs, manager. And then the Brewers owner comes and says, good riddance to him, so to speak. Yeah. And it's like, dude, good riddance to you, man. You're trying to ask <laughs> the public for $500 million and you're going to contribute $100 million. And you're mad that uh, the, the that Craig Council took all the most money a brewer, a manager in baseball history has ever taken to take a job in a city just south of here. Like that's on you, dude. That's what JR was saying, you know, getting mad at Craig Council for leaving while the Brewers are hinting around about leaving Milwaukee. Right. right? Talk about loyalty, right? What does that even mean in this scenario? So, so the Brewer Stadium thing is going through. I, I was driving this car, going to be mad about the process with the Brewer Stadium thing, and then as I talked it out with you, I like did a I did a U turn at Blaine's Farm and Fleet because <laughs> you can only go the one way. Oh yeah, uh, you I can't went, make a left in there. And I was like, okay, no, I'm going to drive this car the other way because they're actually doing this process out in the open, unlike anything else that goes on. And it's all of a sudden we're we're banning transgenders from sports and that pass committee. And you're like, wait, what? When did we what, like? When did we start this talk? Yeah, the Brewer Stadium deal has unfolded over a relatively extended period of time by the standards of the Wisconsin State Legislature. It sounds like we're on path towards a Senate vote next week. Okay, why didn't we vote on it? Did we vote on it in the Senate before? Because we've said no, this before. No. So do the does the Senate, this is basic, but the Senate goes, okay, we're going to vote on this next week, and then they go and vote on it in secret a little bit, like, Hey, where are you on this? Oh, we don't have the votes. We got to go back. Exactly. Okay. And both parties are trying to get their members behind the deal because word on the street is there are not going to be enough Republican votes on their own to pass the Brewers deal in the Senate. So Democrats are going to have to be part of the picture 
in achieving a majority vote in the state Senate for the Brewers Stadium deal. So watch those Democratic members to see how they vote. They're going to be the ones who have to get this across the finish line. So you can bet that Democrats and their leaders are thinking about how their members might vote. And Republicans, the stadium politics just get weird, Rick, because oftentimes they don't— stadium politics? Stadium politics, like— the politics of funding a stadium. Oh, uh, major league sports. Yeah, poli- like like aren't we aren't we funding another state a soccer stadium somewhere in Milwaukee? Yeah, right? Evers approved funding for a soccer stadium in Milwaukee. These politics surrounding sports stadiums are so weird. They don't fall cleanly along party lines because you're seeing members of both parties in support of this, members of both parties in opposition to it's this. It's like Israel Palestine. Yeah, it just does not follow the party lines oh, to the way. extent that most other issues do. I, I'm way off. Israel-Palestine, totally party lines. But the public is like completely the opposite, like oh, almost yeah, completely yeah. the opposite on, hey, we want to, all the public, we want a ceasefire. It's like 60% of the public polling. We want a ceasefire there. All of Congress is like, whatever, the, I don't even know, balls of the wall, we got to, like, whatever they're trying to do. Well, there are some so issues. There the are public. some issues where the public is more bipartisan while the politicians are very partisan. Sometimes we don't see the politicians matching up with public opinion. I would imagine that if you pulled the public on the Brewers Stadium deal, a majority would be against it. Yeah, for sure. But it's very likely to pass the state legislature and get signed by the governor. Businesses want it. The, the legislature, the governor has said he'll sign whatever it, whatever yep. it is. It's just like, wait, you'll just sign whatever? That's I don't like that. The <laughs> governor has done a couple of things in the last couple of days where I'm like, wait, what? He's giving a bunch of money to something else, too. Uh, I'm going to look it up in the, in the break. We got, we, but we got to do – we got to take a break. Uh, UW Lacrosse, political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chirgoski, hanging out as he does most Fridays. We'll be back. We're on the same page when we both like what song, and we both think like no doubt Spider Web. It's pretty pretty weird. Um, we could talk about the Marquette University Law School poll, or or the thing that I floated you one second before the show that is like highly uh, a balancing act for you. The the idea that you come on with me and Hayes, and the the idea that you yeah. try to balance. Do you want to do that, or do you want to do Marquette? Poll? Oh, we can talk about that. I was on with Hayes this because, morning because it's a half baked like conversation i only i've i only have thought about it a little bit and sometimes i like to like kind of take notes but this is but okay so we're gonna get to marquette university law school poll in a minute but uh, like they ask some interesting questions right like should judges be elected yes um what what other ones if judges run for office should they talk about the issues that they might have to rule on or should they not talk about those issues we can't trust polls anymore so why do we I, I don't know. Do other states have? I don't feel like Minnesota has this. So no. do other states have a Marquette University Law School poll? It's one of the most highly respected state polls in the nation. Okay. Do we know why? Is you must there must be a story on why that that? Yeah, is. it's very well funded, so they can do top of the line methodology with what like Zuck bucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like who's with that Marquette it? Law who's School fun- money? Okay, just the, yeah. just that in general. Yep. Okay. And my buddy Charles Franklin is the head of the law school poll there, and he is a very, very well-respected scholar of public opinion. So he brings years of expertise to running the poll. Okay, so we'll we'll get to the, the Marquette poll in a minute. I just, like, every time you see a poll, because the poll that came out with uh, Biden losing to Trump, right, like the CNN, it's a CNN poll, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal because CNN is supposed to be 
But then Democrats would be like, you can't trust that poll. And if it was the reverse of that, then Republicans would be like, you can't trust that poll. And when it's a New York Times story saying something about Donald Trump positively, Donald Trump is like, look at this great story. And it's like, Donald Trump, you've bashed the New York Times for more than a decade. Now you're you're touting it. as So like the, the idea when a poll comes out, do I need to trust it? Can I trust Marquette University uh, poll? Okay, your buddy is who again? Charles Franklin. Does Charles Franklin, if I brought Charles, would Charles Franklin come on? And what kind of a conversation would we have? Oh, that would be a lot of fun. He's a Southern guy, so he's from, like, Alabama, but he's so deep into Wisconsin politics. He uh, what, what is he? He is the director of the Marquette Law Poll. Now, he was formerly a political scientist at UW-Madison. Okay. Um, and we've, we've, we hang out, uh, we went out for waffles the other time when I saw him in Wait, Madison. he's just Marquette poll guy? Like he's that's Marquette his poll guy. job? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Marquette doing all guy. the 700 phone calls each to everyone? <laughs> It'd be funny if he was literally doing, now, Rick, to that point, he has said that he can't really do phone polls to the extent that he once did because people just don't answer the darn phone. Yeah, we can, yeah, you'll get a very skewed uh, poll results exactly if you go through by the by the phone. I think if I remember correctly, in my last conversation with him, we were talking about how he's doing more and more online polls. Now it's not just like go to this website and click on how you view Joe Biden. It's right. not like those Insta polls that are online. It's like they mail you an invitation and then you go to a website or whatever. So it's more scientific than the yeah. stereotypical. If we were just going to grab somebody that's popular in in the world. And I have an answer here and just pull that audience and get their opinion on a thing. Would Joe Rogan be like a good like, oh, you know what? We might get a pretty good left right audience viewpoint and then just ask them all these questions because uh, Joe Rogan, I feel like a lot of people think he's right wing, but he's got a lot of left wing ideas. And I think and he's got a lot of controversial ideas. I get it. But I think like a lot of enough people listen on and wh- wherever they are in the political spectrum that you might get a good poll result from a Joe Rogan poll. It is remarkable how many young people are listening to Joe Rogan. When I ask people like my students or people their age, who do they listen to? They frequently mention Joe Rogan. You sound a little sad about that. No, not at all. No, I mean, okay. I, I, I find Joe Rogan to just be as a political scientist, like interesting. I mean, just I don't like him or not like him. I don't have any opinion on right. him. But Regarding Joe Rogan, yeah, you can't really box him in. Actually, this was the point that I was making with Mike this morning. A lot of times you can't box someone in as this person is a conservative or this person is a liberal. Most people have a mix of conservative and liberal views or they're middle of the road. It's not like people are consistently 100% one way or the other. And Rogan's a good example of that. And that's where I want to go with you because I think you come on with me every Friday and everyone knows my politics. <laughs> and you have to walk this tightrope of, okay, I got to put up with Rick's stupid ideas and his stupid talking points, his stupid conversation. And then they're not, you don't think they're stupid, but I, I like to bash myself a little bit. And then you have to walk this tightrope of, I'm not going to dive too far to the right or too far to the left. And I have to like reel Rick in a little bit to actually talk about this in a way that's political science y and not the, the, like political, so to speak. Uh, but then you go, but, and you do that every Friday. So you get a whole hour of this. And then once a week, or maybe once every other week, you do like a seven minute hit with Hayes. And Hayes is the opposite on the political spectrum. And Hayes will walk you down another path. And it's probably a little bit easier to walk that tightrope just because it's a shorter time span and it's not as many times a week. Um, but, but that's, but that's, that's got to be a hard, like, 
you you should be commended for that. Like, yeah, I don't know how you put up with it. And, I, you, and, I, and I think you get put in an unfair position where people listening to this show that aren't left wing go, oh, Trigoski's a le-. Because you're affiliated with me, you get put in that bubble like, oh, Trigoski's a lefty. I actually just recently agreed to be the faculty advisor for another conservative group, like a nonpartisan group, but a conservative group. They're conservative on economic issues, and so they advocate for that kind Is of stuff. Is this a UWL group? Yeah, UWL. So that's my latest addition to my portfolio. I'm still the faculty advisor for the College Democrats. Uh, now I'm a faculty advisor for this conservative group and do other things as well. Yeah, Rick, and and we were talking during the break, I'm happy to share this, that if I publicly comment on an election, I do not vote in that election. Now, rarely does someone ask me to publicly comment on like the Onalaska school board. So yeah, I'll vote in that election, but I I won't vote in like an election for Congress. Do we ever have a conversation here when you're like, dang it, I was going (laughs) to vote in that election and now you've brought it up? Because obviously we're talking about the third congressional district, the U.S. House district. We got four Democrats and Derek Van Orden as the Republican. So you will abstain from voting that because of this conversation? I will. I will. And it's not like I'm super into the idea that my vote could be the decisive vote. You know, it, it won't. It well, won't be that's the everybody, though. Yeah. Every, if everybody thought like that, there would be zero votes. And then one person would vote. And yeah, be- yeah. So I still vote just so I can say, hey, I'm a political scientist who votes. Like, I'm, I'm you setting. You vote other, elsewhere. Yeah, I try to set an example. I, I feel like it would set a poor example if I didn't vote at all. But I think it's inappropriate for me to vote in elections where I've been publicly commenting on it, more just because it keeps me honest. Like, if I'm not going to vote, then psychologically, I think that has an effect on me where I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to vote in this election. I have given up my chance to have a say in this election. So now, how can I comment on this in a serious way that helps people better understand the elections and is disconnected from my own personal views towards these candidates? Well, on top of that, if you're the moderator in a debate, yeah. so the... I the the Steve Doyle uh, Hipsch yeah yeah Mike Hipsch yeah is it Mike Hipsch Ryan, debate so uh, you abstain Mike is his dad yeah oh Ryan Hipsch yeah. sorry sorry Ryan and Mike um and that's probably the problem with Ryan right uh, <laughs> or the, the 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 politics of it um you'll abstain from that vote if you're in that district yep. because you were yep. the moderator and I there. I do live in that district yep uh, well I was leaving that up to you to say <laughs> it was kind of like, well if you want to say that but um all right Joe's calling in we're gonna go to Joe Joe you're on the air man go ahead yeah I think you know there's a lot of talk about you know why won't people vote for this candidate that candidate you know what are we gonna do in 24. I think a lot of it is moot, and I think what a lot of people are missing, and and this is for a lot of voters, you know, this is why no one can come close to Donald Trump in the Republican primary. A lot of people had a view on how government worked before Donald Trump, and they thought that while there was a lot of infighting, most of the people making the decisions were... Uh, making the best decision for America. And I think Trump really highlighted the fact that most of these people are making decisions for themselves. Yeah, you got campaign, Joe, you got a question? To, You're not breaking any to, news here. To have money for the future of their family and not so much if they have to sell out America, that's fine. Not so much for what's good of America now. Now that Trump has awakened that in everybody. Right, Joe, do you have a question? Back. Joe, do you have a question? Joe, do you have a question? Yeah, that. My question is, why do you guys keep on wondering if people are going to vote for these different candidates or the media keeps on wondering why people aren't voting for anybody else? You know, why Trump is still the front runner. Trump woke us up to what's really going on. Okay. In government. Um, 
I don't know. Were we talking about that? I know I brought up Jill Stein, but I. Yeah, I, I mean, we could just say like the 2024 presidential election is on track to be really close. We were just talking about the Marquette poll. It showed Joe Biden at 50 percent, Donald Trump at 48 percent. That number ain't going to change much is my bet as we go further and further towards the 2024 election. That two-point margin, I can't see it changing much. Well, this could be a really close election. Isn't DeSantis beating Biden in that poll? That is the interesting part about like this. Like, Wisconsin is this, yes. this, like, Wisconsin's a weird state, man. So like they, asked, is they asked people, how would you vote if it's Trump-Biden? How would you vote if it's DeSantis-Biden? How would you vote if it's Nikki Haley-Biden? I want, yeah, I. you know what? Okay, keep going. Because I'm curious about, I feel like I have a secret if... Like uh, theory that it's not a secret. I think a lot of people have this theory. If Nikki Haley was the front runner, I feel like she might have a better chance of beating Biden than Donald Trump. Rick, the poll of Wisconsin voters found that Nikki Haley got 53%, Biden got 44%. So a nine point lead for Haley, for Haley while Biden had a two point lead over Trump. Yeah, if, if uh, so an 11 point swing. If Republicans wanted to win the election, all Republicans including Donald Trump, to best do that, Donald Trump would have to go, I'm going to step out of this race because it seems like, and then all the other candidates would, would go, you know what, Nikki Haley, this is, this is the Van Orden argument, right? Like Derek Van Orden presents the best option for Republicans and therefore no Republicans run against him in the, right. in, at this point, right? No right. Republicans are running against him in the House, although I feel like that's healthy. But if Republicans wanted to win the presidential race, maybe they all should back out and let Nikki Haley take the lead here. Yeah, and Nikki Haley is way in third place in Wisconsin among Republican voters. And DeSantis is 20 points behind Donald Trump among GOP voters in this state. So how does that work when Nikki Haley goes against – isn't that funny? Nikki Haley goes against Biden. She's a nine-point favorite. And and Trump is a two-point dog. But Nikki Haley goes against Trump and she loses. So, like, it's baffling. One theory might be that people don't know a lot about Nikki Haley. So they view her as a generic Republican. And maybe a generic Republican would be well positioned to beat Joe Biden. But the thing is, there is no such thing as a generic Republican. They all have their own identities. They all have their own unique aspects that make them not a generic Republican, but just who they are as a candidate. All the very lefty left people want want or think that somebody would somebody else is going to come to the front and run against Joe Biden that would present a formidable opponent, not dude from Minnesota, not Marianne Williamson and not uh, the Kennedy that's now running as an independent. Somebody, I don't know who, like well, what the California governor. Well, Vivek like in the debate said it's going to be Michelle Obama or suggested that it would be Michelle well, Obama. Well, and she would win in a landslide, right? <laughs> that's probably. the, that's, she probably would, right? Like Taylor Swift ran as a Democrat. Like no, <laughs> she, would, she would be president and she would probably win a third term. And we would change the rules for, but, but okay. Is there, is, should that, should, is that talk just nonsense at this point? Not helpful because it's not going to happen unless something happens to Joe Biden, which isn't out of the question, but it, it, neither it is for Trump. But like somebody actually going, you know what? I actually am going to run. It's a Trump. bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy for Democrats. I mean, they think that they can't beat Biden for the nomination, so they don't run, and but then in, no one beats Biden. But in history, nobody runs against the incumbent president. It's if extremely he's risky. It's extremely risky to well, do that. Well, what do you mean by risky? Well, in terms of your reputation within the party, oh, okay. would you have a future in the Democratic Party if you put your neck out on the line and run against Biden? 
you got they, people who are thinking four, eight, 12 years down they the might road. Bra- they might Brad path you or the National Party doesn't fund your campaign. Exactly. Not that, not that that's it's apples, the oranges a little it bit. Is, but you it might is. Not get. But like, would you torch your reputation within the party if you run against that party's sitting president? Right. But so but it's un, it's unrealistic that we're going to have the savior in in the very leftist of the Democrats come and run against oh, like Joe from Biden. the left wing. No, 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 no. No, But at this yeah. point in the process, we're a year out. Yeah, I mean, because I keep yeah. hearing people text me. What do you ask this person? And I'm like, it's not helpful. I'm going to. But I will ask you because like that's that's not productive as a conversation. Right. We're having an unproductive conversation. You're going to have this left wing hero run against Biden. I don't think there's going to be that type of development, just like a lot of Republican donors reportedly were hopeful that Glenn Youngkin the governor of Virginia was going to jump in. They were hoping that the Tuesday elections were going to go really well for the Republicans in Virginia. And then Youngkin would be motivated to jump in the race. That was never realistic at all. It is especially not realistic well, I, now that the elections did not go Glenn well for Youngkin Republicans. Is the Republican savior in the, in the, yeah, in the way I, that like it, Bernie Sanders would be the it Democratic? Tells, you know, it tells you how goofy the donor class opinions and frankly, both parties can be sometimes. Man, and then and makes me itchy just talking about the the donor class gets to decide. That's I mean that's the whole the whole boatload of like where people just like make government makes us all itchy. Yeah, like, oh, the big time donors in both parties, let's just say, have some interesting ideas. All right, we got to take a break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in his studio with me this hour. He's most Fridays. You'd be lacrosse political science professor, Doctor Anthony Jagoski. So Tom, uh, was it Tom? Tom called in, and I just grabbed his question quick because at the end of the hour, I, I just don't want to ramble. Um, he he predicted that Joe Biden wouldn't even be in the running by the end of the year. He thinks he'll bow out. Yeah, I, I would agree with Tom in the sense that that is the only way Biden would not be the Democratic nominee if he voluntarily bows out and decides that he will not run, as opposed to someone getting in the race and defeating him for the nomination. No, I, I do apologize, Tom, Tom. I didn't put you on the air. Now I wish I would have because he was willing to bet you and I both $100 that oh, Joe wow. Biden wouldn't be on the ballot come 2024. So, God, we just missed 100 bucks. <laughs> I think. I don't do – I don't bet been. on sports. I don't bet on politics, but – I would have took the bet. Yeah, okay, Rick would have taken the bet. Although 100 bucks, and eh, uh, yeah, that – but he wasn't saying it was a health care health, – health scare because both these presidential frontrunners are pretty old. Um, he he just said he he will talk to his family and he'll set a stand aside. When would he have to do that to not be on the actual ballot? Well, I mean, there's pretty much any time. I mean, like it, it would not because we're talking about like the convention and if the Democrats could nominate someone August. else at the convention. So, yeah, we're talking like next summer because when the official because nominating every happens. once in a while you'll see somebody's on the ballot, but they are they're an actual they're not in the race anymore. Right. And therefore, people are going to vote for this person and their votes going to be wasted because that person might even win. I mean, sometimes it's a dead person. We saw that with the Democratic primary for Senate here in Wisconsin, where like everyone dropped out before the primary. Only Mandela was still in the race. And there were all these other names on the ballot of people who were not campaigning anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, back to the law school poll we were talking about. Um, What was the most interesting? Is it the judge thing? Is that the most interesting? Yeah. Because we do have judges that we vote on in the county. 
We do, and we have judges that we elect for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, yep. obviously. 87% of Wisconsin voters say it is better to have judges be elected, while 12% say it is better to have judges be appointed. Because there's those two options, right? You have judges get elected by the voters, or you have judges appointed by the governor or some other system of picking people that does not involve elections. So that's like almost nine out of 10 people who say, yeah, let's keep going with these elections, even after or maybe because of what happened in the April election where Protosawitz was elected. Yeah, even, uh, you know, Republicans, the lowest number, and that's 84 percent. I was especially yeah, I was especially going to watch the Republican number saying, hey, are they mad that Protosawitz was elected? Would they rather go to some other system where judges aren't elected? Nope. Eighty four percent of Republican voters in Wisconsin say we should elect our judges. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the, the other half of that, better to have judges appointed. The other half of that part of the conversation would be who appoints who, those Who judges. and how. Because yep. at this point, we have a governor who's Democratic, and therefore the Republicans would be like, well, Evers would appoint that person, and we, I don't want that. That's why the best test of this to see the Republican support is if you have a Republican governor. Yeah, where did the numbers go? And in the ma- aftermath of the Protosawitz victory, then would Republicans want to have judges be appointed? What would this poll say if Dan Kelly won that race, the Republican candidate in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, and the governor was Scott Walker? <laughs> where would Democrats, because Democrats being at. Then they eight, wouldn't have any options. 90%. Right? Then yeah. they. No, wait. No, no, it would be Evers. I'm trying to get yeah. this, this totally opposite. Where Dan Kelly wins this race and Governor Evers is still governor. They would probably that would probably skew down a little bit. I I think a decent test of how much partisanship is influencing these perceptions is the next question in the poll that asks if judicial candidates should talk about issues during the campaign that are likely to come before them as a judge. That is a big issue, has been a big issue because this idea that, hey, Protosay was called the maps rigged and so she should recuse herself still 71 percent of republican voters in wisconsin say judicial candidates should talk about the issues yeah they absolutely should it's so annoying when the u.s supreme court justices are like well that's a potential case i can't comment well why are you here then (laughs) anyway that's all the time we have for today thanks thank you thanks everybody for listening texting and calling